0: Glory.
1: Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Say positive things about us on Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, pause your recording and give us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay, lay and join our Facebook discussion group. Send us a message. Let me, let us know what you think. Ask us questions. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. And what is more, Chris, we have a special guest. Indeed we do. We have a,
2: a returning guest. Uh, none other than our own flesh and blood dad. <laughs> uh this is uh the Reverend Craig Haberman, uh, pastor of Ely United Methodist Church in in Ely, Minnesota. He is has been uh an elder, which is the term they use in the United Methodist Church for for pastor or um uh or presbyter uh, depending on your tradition. Uh and he has been an elder for 37 years you said or 40.
3: Well, I my elder ordination was in 1987. I began serving in 1982 on a preacher's license, was ordained deacon in 1984, and then elder in 1987. Mm. So you were ordained ordained in the previous century. Yes. (laughs) Previous millennium. Oh, Oh, even better. Yeah.
2: And uh, just before we clicked record, he had some uh, harsh feedback for our Wesley segment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he said uh he, he couldn't bear to finish that segment uh no i'm kidding um but uh he did have a correction that uh, kirk mentioned how wesley would would kind of read a manuscript uh, um, when he was doing his um preaching in 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 town squares as he was uh would ride to the as he would do his circuit riding from each market town to each market town um uh, dad said there, those were extemporaneous sermons that he would preach um, and he point, also pointed out, as, as he and I were biking the other day, he's been here all week, and we've had a wonderful week of, of activities, which hopefully dad will reflect on here during this segment of the show. But uh, he mentioned that Wesley was beloved. that um, So early on, there's a little bit of uh, scrutiny uh, towards him, but very quickly kind of word spread about uh, the, the sort of person he was and uh, people would flock to hear him preach in these small towns. And I, I, I think on the show, I've remarked before at, at, um, for instance, Cornish miners would show up before their shift. Like they would get up an extra hour early and and Wesley would know that, that uh, he would, if you were to reach the miners, they'd be underground all day that, um, he would have to show up before their shift. And, and they would imagine that being, being like this hardworking miner um, subterranean not see the sun during the day and they would get up an extra hour early so they could hear john wesley preach if they do, heard you he you know person.
1: what the cornish men were known for um this is a uh yes
2: um, uh fishermen's shanties right dad <laughs> there's, there's, in- a, there's a movie on netflix called Fisherman's friends that dad, that we, ne- dad no.
1: you're 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 uh you're not fully wrong uh singing in harmony um uh and in the navy in the royal navy um, the Cornish men were always, uh, you could rely upon them to kind of bring in the harmony uh, on the hymns. Um, same when- um, same actually
2: was- with Cornish hens. Uh, Cornish <laughs> hens
1: are known to sing well in
2: harmony. Uh, Dad, uh, we've had a, <laughs> you. You had a wonderful week with you. Caca! Wait, not a hen. That's not a hen. We've had a wonderful week with you.
3: What were some of the highlights uh, of what we can zoo falls for you? Well, first, just being here. I live up near the Canadian border. We got 14 inches of snow there yesterday. (laughs) It is winter there. So arrived here. uh, And now it's, we got some snow here last night that a small amount that has melted off. But Christopher and I went for a bicycle ride, bike ride of the year. It's always great. Uh, I have six lovely grandchildren, four in Pennsylvania, two here in Sioux Falls, that I just don't get to see enough. It works out for me to uh, see the ones here in Sioux Falls more often because they're closer, but part of it is just seeing grandchildren. Uh, they grow up so fast. Uh, Bryden uh, is now 13. Um, and so uh, so part of it is, is seeing grandchildren. Part of it is seeing um, uh, Christopher and Meg. Uh, when I see Kirk and Kim, it's the same kind of feeling. I'll be out there at least planning to be out in Pennsylvania in August. Um, uh, family is just so really special, um, and especially to watch uh, your grown children who are now middle-aged, uh, not middle age, <laughs> approaching middle age. I, I don't know, 41. Is that the middle? It's probably middle. It's mathematically in the middle. Yes. So in any case, if not, it's been great linguistically. I mean, we've, done, we've, we've done some rock climbing uh, uh, in, and in, on a rock wall inside. Um, We've enjoyed the weather outside. Um, I've been introduced. What's the new cartoon I've been introduced to? Phineas and Ferb. Oh. oh. (laughs) So I've been introduced to that. Your your horizons are expanding. That's correct. (laughs) Uh, And so it's just been really, it's been really, really good uh, to be here.
2: Yeah. On Wednesday, we had absolutely gorgeous weather. And really the last day of like more than 70 and sunny, probably for the rest of March. Uh, I mean, March opened like a lamb and I think we'll go out like a lion. Uh, And uh, so, so we just had a great backyard day. We, we grilled steaks. We, uh, Isaac, uh, we played wiffle ball with Isaac, uh, played on the trampoline, threw the frisbee around, uh, swung on the swing set. It was
1: great. So one of the things that, um, that I, that I so appreciate and so, so love about you, dad, um, both you and mom are physically vigorous and kind of have, have, a, have a wide variety of activities that you enjoy, uh, you know, from basketball to biking. And you're um, there's so many people I'm noticing in their 60s, by the time they hit retirement, they, they, just, they just collapse over the finish line and um, they're, they've just become physically limited. And when you come to uh, spend time with, with Christopher or with us, you play with your grandchildren and you play with us and we go on bike rides and we shoot hoops, and um, that's so great. And I love love watching video. I, I can just I can just picture you going on a great bike ride with Christopher and, and talking. And uh, and I know Mom enjoys doing that as well. So that's I'm so appreciative of that. That's that's just wonderful. So so Grandpa, I I I, I lift my my cup of coffee to you. Uh, may you continue continue in a healthy and vigorous life as you plow on through. Well, and uh, I look forward to uh, some some
3: some quality bike rides when you come out here. I do notice with everything you said i uh two thumbs up i do notice however that i have aged uh yesterday no. the other day when we bicycled <laughs> we bicycled over the same route i did not comment to christopher the, the typical comment i would make when we go over that route that he and i back when we were both training for marathons we had a run where we pushed each other for the last mile and a half stride for stride up Southeastern to their house. Yeah. I pushed him. Then he pushed me. We ran stride for stride for a couple of miles on the same route. Uh, I would not even attempt to put on running shoes today. So it was fun bicycle. However.
1: Yeah, no, sure. Right. But like you're in the winter, you're constantly out cross-country skiing um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and hiking deep into the woods and, and you're hiking. So, yeah. And, uh, Dad, I love the pictures that you sent um, from uh, what was that? What's that hike, that great hike that we took last summer?
3: Around Dry Lake. It's in yeah, the, yeah, Bay, yeah. the Bass Lake Trail System, but it it's a hike around Dry Lake. Yeah. Which, Which is yeah, in, So, so just yeah, this. That's picture from
2: Ely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Impossibly beautiful northern Minnesota Canadian Shield landscape with. Um, beautiful, beautiful lake, pristine lake, pine forest, bare rocks, uh, exposed rocks, and birch trees and red pines and and Dad, we yeah, had a great hike. Oddly, oddly named lakes, Dry Lake. <laughs> right, right. Someone had a twinkle in their eye when they named it that. Um, but uh, but Dad, do you, do you remember it was it was it was a hot day and uh, there were just twice that we, there was some exposed rock. Um, and I just like jumped, jumped into the lake Well, you sent pictures and uh, yeah, you know, with whatever it would have been, you know, 20 inches of ice on that lake, there would have been no, no jumping in in you know, late February or early March or whenever, whenever that was, but, but we'll, we'll be back and we'll, we'll do that again.
2: Kirk, we've what's been a- going on in
1: Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah, we've been a- appreciating the changing of seasons. We've had a couple of 60 degree days in a row. So um, the, the soundtrack of our life is uh when you start to hear when, when it starts to reach at least 40 then 45 then 50 um you hear the basketball in our driveway mm. which is just a great great soundtrack um, kirk when does baseball start uh george's uh, simon already has been assigned a team george's evaluation and draft is on on sunday <laughs> that's awesome do, yeah, they, yeah. do they have a, a combine
0: What's yeah. This time? What's <laughs> no, his, like his coaches,
1: coaches sit with clipboards <laughs> oh as God. players throw field and hit. Yeah. It's, and, the, and, and actually it's not for cutthroat reasons. It's for purposes of balance sure. so yeah. that, that accidentally the league doesn't get imbalanced. Um, so, yeah. so it's not, so it's the not. Don't know their draft status. They just know what team they're assigned to. Yeah. They have a vague sense that like they, they can see the coaches all sitting there and they want to do their best. They want they want to impress. Yeah. No, no, but I'm saying like when they're assigned to a team, it's not like oh you were the eighth overall pick, right? It's the, not the playground. Like we're like slowly relevant. the crowd dwindles, and you're like, oh, yeah, pick me, right, no, right. No, no, right. Yeah. no, no. you gotcha. get an email, and you get the you yeah. get the rosters. Yeah, no, but we've had we've had winter workout Simon's travel team since uh, since New Year's. Okay. Um. And uh. And and. Well, when do yeah. games start? Is that is that coming up this month or is that next month? April. April. April okay.
3: Yep. So Kirk, I'm disappointed. I thought your little league team would have a Harry Potter sorting hat that they, uh, would sorting have. hat, right. Yes. 10 points,
1: Gryffindor. No, no. Yeah. And, uh, and in the end, like Slytherin beats the, uh, the ump over the head with a baseball bat and gets, uh, sent off.
3: Well, it yeah. was the sorting hat that put them in the different places to begin with. Right. Read another book. exactly
1: yep no that's uh that's what's going on here um and uh i've also been i've also uh, been i got the grill out i don't know if you've got the grill out um and uh i was here on wednesday night we grilled steaks yes yes so did we we grilled steaks um steaks and many hamburgers and i did have leftovers um, but I did not have leftovers to feed thousands, uh, fantastic <laughs> as our friend. as our Lord did.
2: This week's gospel reading comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then, and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him King. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dad, Would you start us off with, with some thoughts on this gospel text?
3: I was mentioning to uh, Kirk to uh, Christopher earlier in the day that, uh, it's interesting how John, of course, does not have during what we call Monday Thursday during the Last Supper, there is no mention explicitly of, of communion in the context that we would have it in the synoptic gospels, taking of bread and blessing bread and, and the cup. There is, I think, a mentioning of sharing the cup, if I recall, but John's gospel for what we call Monday Thursday for the Last Supper uh, focuses on the foot washing. And so some scholars uh, have traditionally seen that this is John chapter six is the Eucharistic, uh, the institution of the Eucharist in John's, um, in John's telling of the story, uh, John's theology. You're looking, uh, I think, uh, Kirk for uh, John 16. Um, in any case, um, so it's interesting, too, that the word sign is mentioned. Christopher, was, what verses was it there, right? Um, uh, he had done signs, and he did a sign. For, yeah, verse 2, they saw the signs he was
2: doing on the sick.
3: Yep. So it's interesting to me that uh, it might be a stretch in John's telling, um, but that the Eucharist is not seen in the context of Holy Week, but is seen in the context of sign, a sign, uh, I don't know if it's a stretch to suggest that might be with the uh, sort of the incarnational sort of nature of things we see in John, um, the Eucharist as a more uh, general sign uh, in uh, uh, comparison, uh, con- contrast to the, uh, uh, in a Euchar- in a uh, Passover setting.
1: Now, do we get um, th- these later passages in John 6, John 22? um do we get we get that this summer right i don't mean to derail your thoughts no you said john 22 you meant john uh, john 22. six twenty two. like i i am the bread of life
0: oh, um yes. our father's
1: eight man in the wilderness we get that this summer in the lectionary right i'm not sure there so, is a
0: year
3: where you get the chronological reading through john 6 yes so i i i think so any anyhow dad forgive me Well, I think that's just it, is that I'm in, I, once again, the loveliness that we have in the diversity of the Gospels, uh, John, uh, not over against, but alongside the synoptics, um, a a different picture that, 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 that um, it's just lovely in seeing them side by side. And so we've got here, uh, if indeed this is a picture of the institution of the Eucharist, um, to see it in the context of a sign, rather than in the synoptics, where clearly it's instituted as John or Jesus is the new Passover Lamb.
2: Yeah, certainly, and um, of course, last week our gospel text had um, had us talking about the, the, the Passover, and I think I mentioned in my commentary on the gospel reading how. Um, at the fraction um, when we break the bread during um, the prayer of consecration uh, the celebration yeah go
1: ahead yes christ our
2: passover (laughs) lamb has been sacrificed for us which uh, i don't know if people know this but i made sure of of kind of sharing this during the sermon that that this is scripture uh (laughs) yeah this is uh first corinthians five verse seven um that uh, paul is making a point uh, that christ is our passover lamb Um, so I mentioned that in context of John chapter two, uh, where were we last week? Um, two, two. Yeah. Um, where it was the feast of the Passover. And I talked about how, um, there, it wasn't an unblemished lamb that was being sacrificed, but ultimately that was pointing to, to the person of Jesus. And when Jesus cleansed the temple, he was showing, um, that, that, um, that he himself was the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Uh, So, so, so dad pointed out how on the, on the night in in which he gave himself up for us, that Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them. Right. And so when we read Matthew, Mark and Luke, the synoptic accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, we see that same language, right? Right. We see Jesus took bread. He broke, he gave thanks. He broke it. He blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. These same verbs. um, And, and I mean, that's, Significant. That's, there's a reason that, that those same verbs were used in the feeding of the 5,000 and on the Last Supper. And how John, um, uh, Jesus, uh, where John doesn't have this uh, last, last Supper, we don't have the institution of communion, um, that we have the, this, this uh, meditation in John chapter 6. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a second, um, the second part of chapter six, uh, we just get the beginning of this right, where we have the feeding of the 5000 and then he kind of talks about it and explains it um, and connects that to the Eucharist to this perpetual feast this, this um, continuing uh, feast that we have where we feast on, on Jesus himself.
0: Yeah, um,
1: it's interesting, though, um, and we can talk about this. This is another conversation for another time. Um, his uh, his... His discourse, though, at the Last Supper um, is very Eucharistic in its um, unitive character, right? Remain in me as the Father is in me, so I am in you. Um, like the, the, the plea for unity and for um, that, that, that we, be, we be drawn together. Um, I mean, this is, this is kind of at the heart of, of Eucharistic theology, right? That it is um, an inherently unitive act, right? That we, we commune both with each other, but we also commune with our Lord, and that we are united with his body, both both his body, the body of Christ, the divine body of Christ, and his body, metaphorically, the church, mm-hmm. um, right, in that in that double yep. sense. So, but anyhow, go ahead.
2: Yeah, um, so just as looking at the text itself, um, these verses from John chapter 6, just to get a sense into the context here, that Jesus was in Galilee, and this is the only... Um, sign in John that happens in Galilee. And, and so what do we know about Galilee? We know that uh, socioeconomically, it was at the bottom of the scale that it was the less wealthy, the the rust belt. Yeah, it was the rust (laughs) belt. And so it's, it's significant that the sign here in Galilee was one of, of feeding people of the most basic needs, where there was more kind of theological, theoretical stuff that, that was happening down in Judea, down near, closer to to Jerusalem. Um, this is the only sign that, uh, besides the cross and the resurrection, that is in all four gospels. So, this feeding of the 5,000, it, it's a very significant thing. And uh, I, I just want to close my remarks by reading a little bit from the latter half of John chapter six. So, I'm going to read uh, John chapter six, 29 through 35, and, 50, and 48 through 56, without comment. I'm just going to read the words of John, the evangelist. And I'll, I'll, let me repeat those verses. I'm going to read John chapter six, verses 29 through 35, and then 48 through 56. So this is following Jesus um, feeding the 5,000. We get this um, teaching. Jesus anth- answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him.
0: Mm.
1: Is that, that, that's, is that your liturgical mic drop?
2: That's my, li- yes.
1: Without <laughs> comment. Is that yeah. not powerful? Yeah. Uh, I, I am often triggered by. <laughs> um, a Memorialists. Certain, a certain <laughs> sign of a certain, a uh, certain kind of. Uh, boomer, mu- uh, church music. Like it only takes a spark or majesty worship is majesty. And one, one, uh, hymn that might plausibly be lumped into that is I am the bread of life, but I love that one because yeah. it's just straight from this scripture. It's yeah. just straight from this passage. Um, and of course the chorus, and I will raise you up and I will raise you up and I will raise you up on the last day. Um, it's 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 really interesting um, the um, kind of the free church and, and the, the the Protestant blinders that, that that you can have your whole life reading this passage, um, not understanding um, that um, that the body of Christ uh, given and shed for you um, is the thing that unites you to His flesh, which is which cannot remain in the grave, <laughs> and if you're united to a thing that is raised on high, <laughs> like uh, like a like a magnet rising to a more powerful magnet um so too you will raise to to be reunited with your savior it's just I remarkable. mean Kirk when you talk <laughs> about dead things being made alive
0: yes. boy
3: that's our <laughs>
1: epistle reading right yes chapter <laughs> 2
2: verses 4 through 10 um, we have this beautiful passage Can- I'm looking for I've, I'm looking for it basically it's, it's like you who are dead in, uh, where is it? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That yeah. we who were dead mm. have been made alive.
1: Can I can I uh, ask you guys a little bit about um, your your thoughts on uh, the shape of the liturgy? So, Christopher, you you noted um, the common language both in the Synoptic Gospels and in uh, and in John um, uh, that uh, that there's this there's this common language of uh, let's make sure that we, we have it precisely here. Um, take, what is it? Gave, give thanks. Okay, let's see. Give thanks, take, break, um, and eat, right? And this is where we get um, in uh, our Holy Communion liturgy, the order of the shape of which, what we now call the shape of the liturgy because of uh, Dom Gregory Dix's research, which really kind of is this kind of the blob that swallowed basically all Western Christianity, right? Um, and it made us kind of redo our prayer books. And and dad, I think it influenced Methodism as well, right? So like our order of the liturgy that once we enter, once we leave the liturgy of the word and enter our communion liturgy, we have the offertory, then the prayer, right? The Eucharistic prayer, then the fraction, right? The breaking, and then the communion. Um, and we see that here as well we see that paul does that in in acts even in as weird a places as in a storm um as the ship's about to crash on malta right um do you guys have any any thoughts or comments on that no not really
3: (laughs) it's foundational
1: (laughs) okay it's a great 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 segment. other than than, um
2: than uh what what you just said Like, like, there's, there's a reason for the shape of the liturgy.
1: It was yeah, and maybe, maybe at some point we should, we should look at um, that because we, because Anglicanism and kind of the Western Catholic Church in general, um, accepted uh, Dix's research. Um, we, we had to scrap our prayer book because Christopher 1662 and 28 do not follow that shape. <laughs> and that's where the 79, all the Eucharistic prayers came from that mm-hmm. subsequently follow that shape. So it's interesting in, in our 2019 book of common prayer, the um, the, re, what is it? The ancient renewed follows that shape. Um, right. But yeah. for our, our, uh, for our standard to follow that shape it had to be rejiggered
2: <laughs> well and there there's there some language in there that says this was not present in the 16th right because <laughs> right. There, there's a sense of fidelity to what, what's considered the greatest prayer book
1: yeah.
2: anyway kirk we should move on to our yes theology. we should
1: yes <laughs> Our theology segment is going to be really unstructured intentionally, uh, because it's we're reaching mid Lent. Um, next Sunday is going to be the the fourth Sunday in Lent. So depending upon when you're uh, when you're listening to this, uh, you may be listening to this before or after the fourth Sunday in Lent. The fourth Sunday in Lent is uh, is called Laetere Sunday, and uh, it's Laetere Sunday because uh, the introit, the traditional introit is Laetere Jerusalem, uh, Rejoice Jerusalem. Uh, and that what's, what psalm is that from? I was glad when they said unto me. It's, so it's rejoice ye with Jerusalem and be ye glad for her, all ye that delight in her, exalt and sing for joy. I was glad when they said unto me, we will go into the house of the Lord. Um, and it's a break. It's intended to be a break. It's sort of mid-Lent. Um, it's actually in some ways p- past mid-Lent, depending upon how you count. And uh, so it's appropriate for us to take a pause and, uh, and, and, and talk about how our Lent is going. Um, Lent is, by its very nature, maybe the most, one of the most introspective times of, uh, of uh, our Christian walk. Um, we're certainly called intentionally, we, we should always be living lives soaked in prayer. But during Lent, we are especially called into, out into the deserts of our hearts um, for 40 days of prayer and fasting, um, doing battle with our sin, um, facing full the reality of our mortality. Um, and, uh, and so it's appropriate for us to kind of examine, where are we? How's Lent going? Um, so Christopher, um, Lent 2021, we're in the middle. What are your thoughts and observations?
2: So I, I'm hoping to keep this brief. Yeah. If you are fasting this Lent and you feel like you have failed, i wanted to share with you a a gracious word um so so perhaps it'll sound harsh but if you feel like you failed in your fast you're missing the point why number one um failing in some ways is the point like our hungers remind us of our need Mm -hmm. for jesus and our need to like this introspection that we do um, and Dad and I were talking earlier today about how introspection can become narcissistic, but right. um, at its at its best, introspection shows us our sin and our need for repentance, and how we need to turn our hearts and repent, which is the the, the reason for the season. Um, and ultimately, I we've talked about how the season. Uh, so if you were absolutely killing it, if you hadn't failed, if you're <laughs> killing it, if, if you are reaching every goal that you've set for yourself and, and we shouldn't think of it as goals as for like succeeding or failing, but like, let's say you are fasting and you're like, Oh, I'm killing this. Um, like that would be a bad thing for you. Like devotionally, like that, th- that you may, uh, add to your delusion, the self salvation thing. Um, and that would be bad. So fasting, um. The whole point of it is preparation for the feast. And so, uh, Amen. So if you are beating yourself up over failing to fast, uh, you're missing the purpose of the fast. You haven't failed morally. You haven't sinned since fasting is simply preparation for Easter. It's not about achievement because it's about drying our hearts to Jesus. Uh, One of our, one of our, traps that we might set for ourselves might be to set an unrealistic goal. So, um, as it's for, as, uh, for Lent, let's say we, uh, Lent is about fasting, almsgiving and prayer. Those are the, like the classic three things for Lent. And of course, Bible reading is there, right? Like as we draw near to Jesus. So if you set this unrealistic goal, let's say of going from reading zero scripture to <laughs> reading scripture twice a day, like morning and evening. And if you fail to live up to that, and you start beating yourself up and feel ashamed, and you decide you're going to avoid it altogether. That voice telling you, um, "Don't just avoid this altogether." That voice does not come from the Lord, right? So, so and so, offer
1: it offer it up in prayer instead of um, huddling in the corner in guilt and shame.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, my encouragement would be: if you feel like you're failing, that's okay. Like that's that's okay. <laughs> If you feel like you're failing, let that draw you near to Jesus. Um, let it draw you near to the God who welcomes you home. These, are, these failures are not sins, but in fact, are, are point to our need of him.
1: It's remarkable that you're saying that right now. I wrote something down this morning. I typed it out. I'm going to read you verbatim. I typed it out in bold. Um, it, was, it, was, it was keenly on my heart. Um, it, it was about, I think it was like 7.09 this morning. Lent and our Lenten disciplines should soften our hearts, not harden them, as we wrestle with our sin, our desires, our mortality. As we recognize our own frailty and inclination to sin, let us be all the more gracious to the frailty of those around us. Um, So I think mid-Lent, as you kind of notice, like, right, like, how's it going? How's your Lent going? Which that, that, that question is... Is, is sort of a minefield and it's the wrong way to approach it. But like, I mean, it's kind of the way we, kind of when we check in with kind of fellow believers, it's kind of the parlance we use, right? Um, yeah, I mean, as it, there, there's, there's a danger of Lent turning us into Pharisees. I feel that in me, right? I, I like, I notice, Christopher, I think, I, have I joked around with you about this? I think so, um, or maybe not, um, how I just live, I just have a very kind of culturally Catholic worth, workplace I have a few practicing Catholics, but it's mostly like cultural. So like on Friday, there's this great order of fish sandwiches that comes in. And like at the end of lunch, everyone's like, oh, oh, food coma, food coma, all from a theoretical fast, (laughs) (laughs) which then makes me in my heart, pharisaical,
0: Mm, as like
1: I am (laughs) like I'm trying to teach my children, right? Like the reason we're eating fish on Friday is um, you should notice the absence of meat and kind of feel it and like be a little irritable or not irritable, but like feel the absence, right? The the whole point is to feel the absence. Like I can't eat meat today. Uh, My Lord died on a Friday and then Mm -hmm. give thanks to God for that, right? Like That should be kind of the the train of thought, not like, oh, I'm so full from my fast, (laughs) right? So then it turns me into a Pharisee. Um, And then I'm grouchy about, how, how Christian, like the, the strange twists and turns that Christianity has made in our culture that has turned cultural Catholic Christianity into an excuse to engorge yourself during a fast. <laughs> so, so I kind of wrote this down as, um, as a reminder to myself. And I'm sure, I, and, and this was in the context of putting together a Sunday school lesson um, for our church and um, this Sun, uh, this coming sunday the lesson is going to be grace and practice that we not become griddle brittle and, and and bitter as we're and grouchy and hungry during lent but we become gracious gracious recognizing that we are frail and others are too and you so, call me gracious you're so gracious I I hope I'm gracious I, <laughs> dad how's your lent going
2: any any any
3: thoughts well i would lent 2021 for me has been an expansion of the past 12 months (laughs) where uh, I think what COVID-19 has done is we've all lost things that, uh, and we've, uh, through nothing that we've done, we've had to give up things. And I think five years from now, I'll, I'll look back and I'll see a not that COVID was good. There was nothing good about COVID, but an unintended kind of a blessing from COVID is, I think, it'll turn out to have been um, a time of, of great. Um, um, I don't even know the noun I'm looking for. But at, at this time last year, I had a, I had, I was going to go to Ring Lake Ranch with my father on a, for a. Um, a a week where the program was on pilgrimage and how pilgrimage can change your life. Um, And then I was all set and I had my plane ticket and my deposit for a pilgrimage hike on the Camino Mm. de Santiago trail, lost all of that. Um, My father died in June, which means we are now, uh, our family is losing a cabin that we built 53 years ago because of his death. Uh, and so there's all that loss, in, mm. and there were, have been other losses in my life, and yet in all of those losses um, in there, there has been something that um, has been tucked away where, um, in the end, it will lead to something perhaps more. So that's just, um, I think, the invitation. On Palm Sunday, the gospel or the epistle reading is Philippians 2. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus emptied himself. The, um, the Greek word there is kenosis. Um, and so for me, Lent 2021 is an extension of uh, this, the past 12 months where um, in losing we find. So for me, just by personality, by, in personality, I think what I'm learning is to, um, that I don't have to, and I'm not dismissing at all the value of spiritual disciplines during Lent my sense is that life will bring us enough opportunity uh, to just fall into our losses and embrace our losses uh, and not run from our losses or indulge them, but just live in them and through them. And that incep- in and of itself is the uh, journey of Lent. Our Savior, even
1: when he was risen, um, he he was he was defined by his scars, right? Like our scars shape us, our wounds shape us. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's right, Dad. I think I think that's right. Um, as you were listing all those things, I guess as they came up, I was aware that 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 you had been buffeted by these events in your life. But as you list them all, you've had quite quite the twelve months
3: yeah it really has uh that's driven me um so, so there's some, some traditional uh christian devotional writing saint john of the cross wrote the dark night of the soul uh um i'm reading some other devotional uh and, and all of the great this is more on the mystical side as opposed to the evangelical side i don't think they're mutually exclusive but the great mystical writing is all um writing that has to do with um descent, there's ascent mysticism and descent. And I think that much of the very rich devotional spiritual writing has to fo- has to do with focusing on on loss and embracing life as it is. And uh, that in that um, we find ourselves carried and identifying with Christ and so on. So for me that's been that's been the journey that I think I'm still in. And I hope each year, maybe Lent, sharpens our spiritual intuitions to live that out there during the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you, Dad. That uh, I, I I I was given cause to read um, uh, John Donne's last sermon that he ever preached, which like so much of John Donne's life was poetically perfect. It was almost almost uh, divinely ordained um, that his last sermon was in Lent because <laughs> so much of John Donne's uh, poetry and preaching was tinged by mortality. He was told by his doctors twice erroneously that he was going to die. <laughs> so he did much preparation for death even in life. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to pull up some some commentary that I had and, and anyhow, John John Dunn um, just uh, made 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 similar remarks, Dad. So you are you are walking um, in uh, in good footsteps. If you're making is that something
2: here in in the in the show notes, Kirk?
1: Uh, perhaps. I guess my final commentary, my final comment on Lent that I'm noticing this year. Um, maybe my maybe my memory changes of how Lent has gone in past years. I noticed that uh, my desires for the things. That I'm fasting from and, f- and during my fasts aren't going away um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know what to do with that that's very very strange so I mean I, I I've kind of I've heard this from others and I passed this along as advice to offer it up in prayer so I have I have been um, but I, I guess the net effect of that is that Lent has been ever present with me <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly so. Perhaps, perhaps that's that's a, ben- a spiritual a beneficial Lent <laughs> or a mm-hmm. spiritual benefit. I don't I don't know about that. I've also really enjoyed. I've I've had the honor of teaching an adult Sunday school. It has it's had a great theme. Um, it's been titled a, Ho- a Holy Lent. How uh, how Lent shapes shapes the Christian soul. And we've gone over kind of. Uh, we did. We did one Sunday. We did uh, fasting, almsgiving, and and prayer. There's great, great discussions around that. Uh, last week, we did confession and absolution, talking about how, that, how at the heart of Lent. I mean, in the penitential rite, we move confession all the way up to the front, right? So we hit, we hit people with uh, the 10 commandments. And a- after each commandment, Lord, incline our hearts um, to keep this law. Uh, and then we, we hear this exhortation to confession and then we confess. So confession is very much a part Had a great discussion with that. That's kind of been with me. So those are the those are the things that have been with me. guys have been binge watching what for all mankind yeah so i'm only let's um this is going to be part one we'll do part two um at some indeterminate point in the future once i've caught up with you and we'll talk about it but uh, we've got there's enough to talk about in terms of the broad strokes um of the the show christopher what is for all mankind
2: yeah, so, so if I could offer a spoiler-free kind of intro, yes, and then please we're going to have to jump into spoilers. One of the things happens just a few minutes into it, but we'll yes, we'll yes. let that go for now. So um, what this is, is, is it's a um, a period TV show about the space race between the United States and the Soviet Union. Uh, it is uh, available exclusively on Apple TV+. So if you feel bewildered, listener, by the plethora of streaming services that are coming to the market you are not alone um there are so many people that I've, re- I've said like you need to watch ted lasso because like everybody needs to watch ted lasso it's the greatest um television show to come out in 2020 so good it, it is wonderful um but uh people are like I, apple tv like do i need an apple tv like device <laughs> for that Um, and these are people who have iPhones. If you have a, if you've purchased an Apple device, you probably are able to get a free year, a full year of, of Apple TV plus Apple TV, um, starting 2018, I think in the first year they spent $6 billion on original programming. So, I mean, they're, they are seeking to be like, like Netflix, but I urge you listener, even if you're not an Apple person to, um, if you don't want to use it, get a seven day free trial then it pay $5. This is going to be one of the few times I'm going to tell you how to spend your money, spend $5, get a month of it. Don't think of this as something you need to subscribe to every month. Just get it for a month and like try out Ted Lasso and, and also watch for all mankind. So, um, it is, it is wonderful because it, it looks amazing because of the, the period stuff, um, you know, the, the, the the wardrobe and, and the set design looks really cool. Um, it, it's got space stuff. So like the, the space scenes are amazing. Um, it involves, uh, so it's a counterfactual. So it's, it's, it is not a historical thing. It is, it is going back and, and it's a show about have things gone a little bit differently in the space race. So it's not, so it takes some historical figures, but the, the path they take is completely different. And, um, and we see the meddling of, of the president in NASA. And so it's funny how like, uh, one kind of generic reference I'll make is that, um, word comes down from the president that he wants NASA to focus exclusively on this one thing. And then like, they're focused on that thing for like a month. And then a month later, they're like, oh, forget about that thing. We're going to do this other thing. now. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that you've been working on for the last month, we're, we're going to shift gears 180 degrees and just do something different, forget about that thing. Um, and so it's interesting how politics uh, in, in uh, the intersection of politics and, and science, um, it's interesting how like one of the influential people, there's, there's one point where um, they're in space and there's like this thing that's like, I don't know, 300 yards in front of the spaceship and they, they, they wanna get to that thing. And the question is, do they have enough fuel? And, and, and the the po- political guys is like, well, it's right in front of them. Why don't they just go get it? And they're right. like, that's how space works. Like, that's not how gravity works. Like, you remain in orbit, and it would take fuel to, to, to do that. So it's interesting. Um, uh, that, that aspect is interesting, kind of the social uh stuff in the era so uh at this point should we should we do, mo- move on to spoilers just a
1: very uh, i think i think group. we we can spoil the the premise because the okay. premise i think you get from the um from the trailer right well
2: nobody should watch trailers so oh is that filmed- that is a spicy take <laughs> but but I I love all, trailers I'll hand off the baton i love 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 the show i've i've seen the whole first season i'm excited to watch the second which is already out but um, I'm gonna hand, hand the baton to Kirk um, to tell me your thoughts because I don't know what you think about it and give us the
1: spoiler. Okay, I mean, so, so I've watched the first two episodes. So anything that I talk about um, cannot really do, do much damage um, to, to, your, to your watching experience. Uh, I mean, the, the, pre- the premise is it's a counterfactual in which several, several things happen and any review that you read would, would, would say this any, as well. So uh, the Soviets get to the moon first. Um, which you can imagine. I, I think Christopher. So far, what I'm seeing, um, the events that are triggered by that seems super plausible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because in our in our in this universe in our timeline, <laughs> um, we it was like it was as if we nationally checked a box, and especially after the, the the near miss of Apollo 13, we're like, okay, we should leave well enough alone, and we kind of moved on. Which to me is a great yeah. sadness. <laughs> uh, I I. I I mean, I grew up with images um, just surrounded by stories and literature. I, I, I just assumed by 2021, I would be in space that we would have flying cars, that space tourism would be a thing. Um, I, I, think, I, I think it's a real, it, it says something, um, I think, really damning about our culture that, that what we've done with our technological advances is we carry around glowing gods in our pockets. <laughs> um, not, not explore, the, not, not head out to the stars, right? Um, that, we've, that we've gone inward and to, to stroke our desires instead of go outward and explore our universe. But in any case, um, so what happens once the Soviets um, uh, make it to the moon first is our national pride is pricked and um and we really double down hard on on investment and there begins to be a space race nothing like the 60s saw um and it's really a, it's fun to think about and th- christopher what one of the things i noticed was um a little news blurb ted kennedy um, um puts off a, uh, a a summer retreat at chappaquiddick mm. so yeah, i wonder was, what happens spoilery but but like uh uh, yeah so who, he obviously has a has a political future in
2: this timeline right and so <laughs> like at the beginning of season one you see all these headlines and there's like the newscaster speaking over um and you see mary joe kopechny um her name <laughs> mentioned like she's alive in this timeline yeah
1: right right and in case listeners are unfamiliar um Ted Kennedy was responsible for the death of um, of this woman, Mary Jo Kopechne, by drunk driving, and he drove off a bridge, and he uh, he ran away, went to his house, lied about it, panicked. His family came up with this whole counter story, um, and um, uh, but but it still it allowed him. He he existed in this limbo for the rest of his life, right? Like he was allowed to remain a senator, yet his presidential ambitions were essentially sidelined. Dad, is
3: that about right? I think so. I mean, he ran and he was a, he was a mover and a shaker. He, and he, but had, wasn't
1: it a sword over his neck?
3: Oh, like yeah, it would have a come out. Career. He did try to make several runs, but it was always sort of, um, if he would ever get near the finish line, you'd all of a sudden wave this card and <laughs> you'd have to retreat. I mean, it's not a card. <laughs> You're right. right. All right. But so it, let's not get yeah. sidetracked. Right. Yeah, let's not get sidetracked. We, yeah.
2: You had some really, some really deep thoughts about
3: exploring in, into space yeah. and, So I had a good friend that one time, uh, Wendell Berry has been an important person for me. Wendell Berry's writings just matter a great deal to me for a number of reasons we don't have time to talk about here. But Wendell Berry was very dismissive about the dollars spent in going to outer space, uh, that they would uh, take away from stuff here, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I mentioned this to my friend. And my friend said, no, 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 Craig. The journey into space is about the human spirit and it's about discovery, and it's about enlarging the human spirit. And, and I, I was convinced. Uh, when you think about it, um, Lewis, and, and take aside anything about imperialism and territorialism and all the bad stuff that's come out of exploration. But when you think about it, um, uh, the age of exploration with the great explorers uh, of, of which Columbus was one, uh, that moved the human spirit forward. A mentor of mine, has said that uh, he believes that um, the way out of that, that, at the time of Columbus, Europe was in, a, um, in an emotional decline. And he has a number of reasons he just says. And he says the reason that he believes that the reason for the Reformation, the invention of the telescope, the invention of opera, and all of that was because of this human spirit of discovery. If you think about the Lewis and Clark expedition, uh, Lewis did not travel in the keel boat most of the time. He was, on the, he was walking alongside across the prairies and he'd meet up at night. He was doing natural history. And so I just think that the, um, the human spirit, um, that, we, that the expansion of the human spirit uh, demands and is fueled by it, discovery and these kind of things.
1: I, I I completely agree. Um, Jamestown Colony um, was a was a a commercial failure. <laughs> um, there were very few of these things that were commercial successes, and only in retrospect do we understand exactly what you're saying, Dad. That 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 actually wasn't the value that yeah. that it added. Um, it would take a long long time for any of these things to become commercial successes. And the the countries that were in it solely for the money. Um, like Netherlands ended up getting out of the business entirely when it became clear, like, like there's, there's, there's no money in like exploring now there's money in trading posts. So the Dutch set up this whole great system of trading posts. Right. But they didn't, they didn't send people into the hinterland. Right. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't do it for the money. We do it because it, uh, it sets free something and it, it, um, yeah, it, it, um, it 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 is capable of triggering a, a new renaissance, a new a new era. Uh, I just want one, one final comment, and I know yeah. we want to we want to end. Um, I love the uh, the renaissance, um, the obsession with mid the mid century modern aesthetic, and I, I have to think Mad Men started it like uh, a decade ago, wouldn't you say? So I've just written down off the top of my head um, shows. That are impossibly gorgeous. That spend way too much on set design. That bring in people, and it's just it's just so lavish. Um, and and it's a reminder, basically, of of why why California um, used to be and still is in many ways um, what is so great about America. Like everyone went out there and built these these like ranch homes with these like weird spindly clocks that were like this and like brick faux fireplaces and they all looked gorgeous right um so it started with mad men of course recently we did you do you watch the queen's gambit i did i saw part of it oh yeah the scenes from las vegas with like mm. the googie architecture like i don't know how they where was there still a hotel that looks like that dad but well, wasn't that beautiful like, I mean, I wasn't in Las Vegas in 1964, but I have to, like, I. if it didn't look like that, I'd be very upset, right? It's just lovely. The right stuff. Have you guys seen the right stuff on? Um, no. Oh, you Plus. should watch that. It's on yeah. Disney Plus. It's made by National Geographic. It's interesting because it's got a lot of the same characters, right? Gordo right. and yeah. Okay, so uh, the Marvel- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel which is so gorgeous, right? Like Florida nightclubs in like 1963. Um, it's got, uh, you know, Lenny Bruce at uh, like beatnik dives uh, in, in Soho. Uh, it's so great. So um, Hollywood is having a lot of fun um, with what I think is a like, a, was a beautiful era, era, era. Wait, Christopher, you and I grew up um, with it kind of dingy and falling apart. Mid-century modern by like the time you and I were aware in 1989, looked awful (laughs) but back on the screen dad you grew (laughs) up in that stuff (laughs) what was that movie that musical with ryan
2: gosling and emma stone was that a period was that or when did that take place
1: i think that's contemporary oh that's today okay i won it won best picture right uh hollywood land isn't that what it's called it's not la 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 land la la land yeah
0: yeah Yeah. no but that's
1: certainly a love letter that's a love letter to hollywood gotcha Here's another, uh, this has nothing to do with anything. And this is a sign that we need to end in prayer because I'm just like talking about whatever I want to talk about. I'm no longer con- constrained by themes. Um, I'm, I'm about 45 minutes through Mank, and everything is Art Deco. Like all of 1930s Hollywood, it's all Art Deco and it's just luscious. You, yes, let's end in prayer. <laughs> the Lord be with you. And with your spirit.
2: Let us pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world. Evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dad.
0: Thank it you.
3: It so great to be with uh, the two of you today. Uh, just one quick comment. Um, one time Kirk asked me, uh, what was the favorite age of us when we were growing up? For you, what was your favorite age for us? And I said whatever age you were and that still holds true today
0: Ah, mm-hmm.
1: thank you dad mm-hmm. thank you for being here next week
3: thank you next week